Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pushing the Envelope, where all manner of fringe topics are covered from a purely biblical perspective. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of Pushing the Envelope. Tonight, the Brian and I bring on a special guest, my son. He has had his nose, so to speak, in a particular topic that Brian himself has been wondering about. I'm not sure what that all concerns, but we're going to find that out right here on Pushing the Envelope today. Hopefully, we'll be able to put our heads together and at least come to some conclusions, if not a concrete theory altogether. So you can find Aaron's work on the FringeRadioNetwork.com. His broadcast, uh, which I do with him, is called Christian Conspiracy Theory. And we're going to bring Brian on right now. And uh, Brian needs to give us an update on everything that's going on. Uh, we need to know where to find everything again. He's he's already told us two or three times, but everything's in flux. The BTR iTunes feed has been abandoned uh, because the quality was so bad. Uh, so you need to know where Brian is uh, making sure everything gets posted and where the backup is. And uh, we're also doing a live broadcast. And then I edit it and then repost it. So all kinds of crazy things going on. And be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what all is going on. So, Brian, please come on for a second before Aaron starts and let the listeners know where they can find you and I's stuff. Well, as far as Spreaker is concerned, it's uh, the Bands of Time uh, website, thebandsoftime.com. We have the old YouTube channel. That's the Bands of Time. Same goes for Twitter. Uh, There's a page on Facebook under that name. And then, as well, we have End Time Tribune Media. Dot com and possibly some of those other channels may end up being used. I'm not certain at the moment. All right. With that being said, let's get right into the topic. Aaron, please uh, tell us the topic we're going to be covering tonight, your initial thoughts, and then let's jump right into your study so we can take some of this information and begin to correlate it amongst the three of us. So, Aaron, you have the mic. Alright, so I have actually been studying the name Belial for a very long time. And um, this is a big topic in demonology and angelology, which is, um, I I mean, when I was looking into it, I was just looking into it for fun. But um, come to find out, this was years back when I hadn't known much of the Bible, and I figured out this name was actually present in the scriptures. And what's so annoying about it is that, like, most translations will avoid make transliterating, transliterating this name Belial in their um, in their text. And it's um, let me just begin with what I'm talking about. This is um, this word Belial. Um, most people know it, and Second uh, Corinthians chapter sixteen. Uh, um, let me say that again. 
Second uh, Corinthians chapter six verse fifteen, and it says, "What harmony has Christ with Belial, or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever?" And um, so I, I, I um, this word Belial uh, comes from a Hebrew word, which is actually a compound, and it um, means without profit. Um, belly, uh, without, and then y'all, uh, profit. So just worthless, and that's what most translations make this. But um, how often do you find a Hebrew um, compound word, and it's not a name? Because I haven't stumbled on that. It's done all the time in Greek, but that's why it's come clearest to me as a name. But the Septuagint really avoids it a lot, and um, it translates it as the pest or wickedness, something like that. But only one time in Judges chapter 20, verse 13. Now, um, when we get on to this topic here, um, I was speculating about this entity, Belial, with um, Daniel chapter 11. Um and this is Daniel chapter 11, verse 5, and it says, Then the king of the south will grow strong, along with one of his princes, who will again, who will gain Abdestad... I'm evidently going to have to move to another translation. Um, this is the Darby translation. And the king of the south, who is one of his princes, shall be strong, but another shall be stronger than he. And have a dominion, and his dominion will be a great dominion. So, um, this prince, this prince that gains uh, power over, um, he rebels against the king of the south. And he is what the rest of, the, of this chapter calls the king of the north. And he's actually a prince that comes from the king of the south. And um, uh, that word prince in Hebrew, is sar, and uh, that is the word most commonly used for an angelic prince. So that's why I've been kind of going there, um, and we know that Daniel has been at least talking about two things. One thing that has been, something that's already happened, and something that will be. Okay, Aaron, with that stuff being said, let's get to the different spellings of this. Am I correct in saying that the the Greek text, this is not spelled the same way as the Septuagint, and the Delich New Testament does not spell it the same way that it's spelled in the Old Testament? Is that correct? Yes, and... Uh... Delch's New Testament doesn't agree with the Adidas Um So I just... This will get really confusing, people. But um, let me just give an introduction to Belial as we know him. Um, in the scriptures, he is always referred to um, as some sort of entity of lawlessness. Um, and... Uh, Evil people have been called sons of Belial uh, frequently. 
in the scriptures. And um, let's all stop and realize that in Second Corinthians chapter six, verse fifteen, when it when it says, "What harmony has Christ with Belial?" Um, people, that only Belial has been contrasted to Christ, not Satan. And um, Belial is referred to as an entity of darkness um, in verse 14 uh, as, it, as it expands. Um, remember the one positive, the positive one, Christ, and then the negative, Belial. Um, remember these. Okay. Do not be bound up with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? So, um, this entity is clearly contrasted from Christ. And when you realize that, we, we know in uh, the Gospel of John, verse uh, chapter 1, it, it says that Christ made it so that people... when when he came and died for us, he gave us a chance to become children of God, sons of God. And uh, on the other hand, this Belial makes those be his sons. So um, just um, in, in the past, we've been um, uh, we've thought that this Belial was another name for Satan because it means worthless, and we we. Um, what exactly does this worthlessness mean? And um, that's something we might want to discuss here. Um, but what I'm getting at is this Belial and Satan seem to have a slightly altered cause. Could this be one of Satan's princes that uh, rebelled? If we, if we um, call this in uh, Daniel chapter 11... This king of the south being Satan, and the king of the north being his prince. So what's the thoughts here? Well, it's off the charts that you would even suggest such a thing, first off. That's the first thing I want to say. But that being the case, that Satan is not in this verse, it's quite clear here that... Everybody knew something was a great mystery. We have this with two sources of authority. The Adidoregia and the Delich New Testament. Both of them altered their spellings, and what Delich did was a, just a stroke of genius. He knew the Adidoregia was correct, but it was different than the Septuagint. He knew it was true. So he took his spelling, altered it, and presented to us a great mystery. So, um, uh, in the Greek, um, though most translations of Second Corinthians uh, 6.15 um, make it that word bilial, um, as the King James goes with, um, that word in the Adidoradia is actually spelled Beliar or Beliar. So um, that isn't Belial, and it's a slight alternation. And um, 
so we move over to um, Delich's New Testament, and he doesn't make it Belyar, but he doesn't spell it as Belial is with the rest of uh, the scriptures. It is spelled with an Aleph instead of an A-N, which would make it Beliel, not Belial. Um, so um, this Belial makes it um, very angelic in nature, bearing the name of God next to his, which would be translated, the Lord, um, God is my master. Um, but uh, that, that's off the charts right there. Because, um, like, we were, we were just sitting there and being like, why did he spell it like this? Why did Delich go out of the way? And that's why I, I actually um, got up and tried to check all the other translations uh, in other texts uh, present online for um, the Delich New Testament, all that altered that spelling. But dad, uh, my dad redirected me to um, the, the, uh, the final edition of the... Uh, Delich New Testament, and it is spelled this way. Well, I'm going to really push the envelope here. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe I know why Delich did this. Because in between the Hebrew and the Greek, the difference between the celestial scapegoat, Miraz, and his host, or his group of angels that he is over in Daniel is Moazim. What's the difference, ladies and gentlemen? I direct you to go to signofthesonofman.wordpress.com and read my articles there because you'll find out the difference is exactly what the Adidorgia did. It's added what we have in our tongue as the R. Now, all of you need to realize that Delich's son was the foremost Assyrian archaeologist. At the time, he was number one in his field, absolutely number one. They knew exactly what had been stated in the ancient text that everyone believed that the Muazim was a group of idols or deities that Antiochus Epiphany was worshipping. Now, with that being stated, I step back. Like I said, those blog posts are available on signofthesonofman.wordpress.com. You can find exactly that the difference between the Muazim and the celestial scapegoat Miraz is the letter R. That's exactly what you heard Aaron describe. That takes this to a whole different level. Now, that being stated, it's time to get Brian's take on things. And he said he was wondering about this particular entity for other reasons that I myself am not aware of. He didn't tell me. But, Brian, we need your initial comments and thoughts on what uh, Aaron had to uh, reveal about this strange anomaly in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. <clears throat> well, this is sort of one of these, uh, how do I put this, atypical uh, circumstances here as to getting to the bottom of what is a demon and 
what is an angel in these circumstances and it seems to be that the more you dig into these things you come away with some rather interesting answers no matter how you look at this um you know i pulled up several things here in the background just to take a precursory look over to see where all this has come up for instance in uh outside of canon and even going on down through the uh centuries coming forward into our infamous uh let's see little 1500 to 1800 breaking point but i mean even when you bring up variants of this in the greek and the hebrew and the bible you get some pretty interesting little little things that are coming up here so yes you do you get some very strange anomalies with it creeping up but now Brian has really pushed the envelope. My son stated that he thought that this entity was one of Satan's lieutenants. Brian's pushed the envelope even further. Brian's like, no, what if this is not an angel but a son thereof? That being the case, we may have here the proper name revealed of the prince of the Nephilim. On the other hand, we may have the proper name of a prince, an angel, that rebelled against Satan. So now we have a left and a right we have to argue with, but we cannot forget that the name Belzebub has already been established as a prince of some sort. We don't know which, and that's what I'm going to put the question to my son right now. Uh, Aaron, we already have a proper name, or maybe it's not. Maybe I've been assuming wrong. Perhaps Belzebul or Belzebub is... Not a proper name. Perhaps that's that's a rank. He's just the highest order. But what are your thoughts on uh, these two entities being named in Scripture? What's what's your idea, and how does that correlate with what Brian said? Is it an angel, or is it a wicked spirit? Your your thoughts, Aaron? Well, like um, uh. When we talk, we talked about this concept of this different spelling in Delitz's New Testament, where he turns it into Biliel rather than Bilial, um, and it's a well, it's a parody if you think of it. Um, like Biliel would be very angelic in nature, um, as Gabriel and Michael bear the name of God El at the end of their name, um, but it seems like. Uh, there became a parody on his name at one point, um, as Belial. Um, originally, Belial would mean, uh, God is my master. But Belial means worthless, or having no value or profit. Um, and uh, this is very present with this name you just gave me, you just mentioned, Belzebub. Um, uh, in the, in um, the New Testament, um, in our most translation say Beelzebub it actually says in Greek Beelzebul and um, 
mostly people get that Beelzebub translation from uh, Jerome's Vulgate. Um, and he directed that from Second uh, Kings, where um, this first chapter of Second Kings, where um, a spelling Beelzebub is given. And um, so uh, the Beelzebul would mean um, an exalted lord or an exalted master. Um, but in contrast, Beelzebub, it means Lord of the Flies. And um, it seems to be a parody that was formed of this name. Uh, and um, I read that it has the name Beelzebul has been found in Canaanite and Mesopotamian texts. So that was his original name, an exalted prince and um, but some parody was formed over his name, uh, as I just meant to mention, Balls the Bub. And um, that being said, uh, yeah, uh, it's interesting that very few rabbinic texts ever touch on this, but most, a lot of them talk about um, Zabul being uh, an angel uh, in a certain, ranked in a certain heaven. Um, so, uh, but I'm coming to believe that uh, Belzebul is a demon, very, an, an unclean spirit in nature. Um, but I could be wrong. And um, as I just mentioned with this Belial, uh, I guess it's a good question um, about um, whether or not he's a wicked spirit or um, an angelic spirit. But uh, I think... I don't know. As I just pointed out, the angelic nature of the name Belial, that spelling, um, is one thing to point out. But another um, is that he actually, for a very long time, has been um, shown as uh, an angelic entity over the evil spirits. He is angelic. He's an angel. But he rules over the unclean spirits. Um, so, uh, directly and indirectly, um, if you notice, um, Balzable, um, bears the name Ball. What's that name? Beliel. Beli is a short, is another form of Baal in Hebrew or Baal. Um, so I've actually think. I actually think that Balzabul is a demon under Belial, and he bears his part of his name. Belial is the angel who rules over demons indirectly. He he rules over the demons, but his his um, demon uh, associate Belzebul, he is a lower prince under him that rules over those demons. So, um, with, with that pointed out, I, I think it's interesting to find that a lot of texts have viewed Belial um, as being one of the leaders of the fall of uh, Genesis chapter 6. And um, one of these is, interestingly, Paradise Lost, and they um, uh, they they 
thought him to be the leader um, because of that they are called the sons of God. And this Belial is called um, – the followers of Belial are called sons of Belial. And um, so that's where I'm coming from. I, I think um, – well, Satan rules over all demons. I mean this is a hierarchy type thing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, as you as you go down, there's uh, it gets oh it gets pretty complex. But um, what I'm saying is Satan rules over Belial, or did rule over Belial before he rebelled, and then Belial rules over Belzebul. That's what's what I think. Uh, and Belzebul is a demon under the angelic Belial. That was really long and complicated, but I, I hope you guys were able to understand that. Well, you yourself made it complicated. Um, people think that demons are angels. That's why I use the word unclean spirit. So please clarify one more time. You're saying that one of these entities is an angel. One of these entities is an unclean spirit. Which one is which, real quick, for the listener? Belial is an angel, and Belzebul is an unclean spirit. Okay, well, with that in mind, let's pass this off to Brian. Uh, we need counterpoints here, or your agreeance with Aaron. Uh, I will take the last shot at this. Um, and I need to collect my thoughts as well, Brian, but... Uh, your comments, do you agree uh, with his initial theory about which one is an angel and which one is an unclean spirit? Um, and your counter thoughts about why as to why that couldn't be right? Well, going with the one aspect, as far as Beelzebul being an unclean spirit, a demonic entity, that's what I've personally leaned toward towards for a long time it just obviously has never come up in open discussion before this so Beelzebub, Beelzebub whichever name we want to give to this yes I've been along that same line of thinking for quite some time I've just never went too deeply into looking at this and obviously now that we're going down this new trail with pushing the envelope there's been a lot of things I've been reconsidering now, we have to be careful when we start going to some of these. Um, I've noticed, especially when you get into the Middle Ages, um, different texts, you're going to start having um, certain groups pointing at something being an angel, and they'll even go so far as to pointing out at these varied um, feminine entities, female entities, as being angelic, when we had have no indication anywhere in the Bible that we have any kind of female angels anywhere mentioned. So you already know that there's a serious problem in that mindset. So as far as Beelzebul, I had been thinking for quite some time that we were dealing with the uh, the Lord of the Demons itself, the unclean spirit Lord over the demons itself and in context of even when you look at the statements made by Christ concerning that you get that indication as well because 
For one, you're not going to cast an angel out of somebody. Angels cannot inhabit someone else's flesh. The Bible's quite clear about this, and that's where the major disconnect has been over the years when people have associated angels with being demons when that's not at all what the Bible tells us in any stretch of the imagination. And then an angel cannot take on somebody else's flesh. They cannot inhabit a human body is what I'm stating with this. So when you have that statement about a house being divided against itself cannot stand, to me that had always been speaking directly to the fact that Beelzebul itself was an unclean spirit, a demon. As far as Belial, this is possible that we are dealing with an angel. And right now I'm just going to state possible because I haven't looked at this through all aspects completely here yet. Um, you know, and another thing to point out real quickly here, and I had to double check it, but I've known this for a long time. Um, as far as Beelzebul is concerned, depending on how it's spelled, if you break that down to being related to a Phoenician or Canaanite, well, that last word there, Baal, literally just means Lord. So, I hope I answered at least enough there for the time. Well, that that coincides with the rest of the scripture, that these are just lords because, well, they were being worshipped. When they possess you, uh, they're in charge, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to come at this from a logical point of view. Christ is the key. Christ is the the support that Jacob's ladder is set upon. So I'm going to come at this logically using Christ as the example. Christ here would be in contrast to God the Father. They are equal. And if you think something else, you're wrong. Based upon this, the only logical conclusion I can come to without the data, because I have not gathered or collected the data that my son obviously has, but it would seem to me that it would be impossible for this Bilel, or Belil, however it's pronounced, sorry about that. My son has the lowdown on the, on the pronunciation. Point being, logically he would have to be of the same nature as Satan. That's why Satan's not named. It seems to me that Aaron has drawn some logical conclusions. That's why his name is given instead of Satan. He is the exact opposite. Christ, of course, is called uh, the only begotten. In the original languages, it means uh, special, unique. So, we know that Christ had his affliction. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane and wept even to tears of blood, repeatedly saying, basically, ladies and gentlemen, Father, I, I don't want to do this, but if this is what you want done, we're going to get it done. Obviously, this entity from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15 did the exact opposite of that in his subjugation to Satan's authority. 
No question who has the authority in these realms. Satan is in fact the prince of this world. And even the Lord Jesus Christ the King did not argue with him while he was being tested by Satan. He did not call Satan a liar. The king acknowledged that, yes, you do have the authority to uh, hand over to me um, every single kingdom on this planet if he wanted to. Christ didn't call him a liar. That being stated, logically, without the data points, and that's the only conclusion I can draw, is that Aaron is in fact correct in his theory. Now we got to branch out. I have another reason. We have this correlation between this name, Belzebul, and the name associated in the Old Testament, which, like we stated, that is why uh, the spelling is different from the Delich to the Masoretic. And, and the difference between the Adidoregia and the Septuagint. In the Old Testament, these bad people were always called the sons of a certain spelling. Let me ask my son that. Is it possible they were called this because they had been possessed by the entities that Belzebul ruled over? That's why they were called sons of wickedness. But we know the we're talking about the original language here, Aaron. Does that etymology line up with the Belzebul in the New Testament? Because if it does, that would be your proof text. The simple fact that the misspelling is occurring because it doesn't line up with this proper name in 2 Corinthians 6, chapter 15. It lines up with Belzebul. Your thoughts on that and your conclusions in that matter, if you have drawn such conclusions. But that is my my statement on the matter. I am with Brian. I agree with Aaron for different reasons, as I just stated. But I do think that all three of us, as stated, agree with this. Bilal is the proper name of an angel that at some point, for some reason, we have not not discussed nor obtained the reason for, rebelled against Satan. He did something that Satan did not order, which caused some kind of problems. And that Belzebul is a unclean spirit that died in one of the two incursions. This Belzebul either died in the flood, or he died in the valley of Sodom and Gomorrah. So, with that being said, Aaron, what, is, what does the Old Testament say about these sons of Belial? Does that, uh, does that spelling line up with Belzebul? No, uh, because um, uh, it, it'll get complicated, but um, there are two spellings of that word Lord in Hebrew. There is Bel and Baal. Bel the bull has the Baal spelling. Belial has the Bel spelling. Okay, so um, 
uh, I do. Well, there's a correlation with um, this uh, Belzebul, and I think that is that bell, which we talked in one of uh, Christian conspiracy theory shows we did, was that bell, that bell who had the Tower of Babel built. Um, And since uh, so, this Belzebul was born in the second incursion, and he was the leader of the uh, of the Nephilim of that era, uh, and he tried to ascend into heaven. Uh, I think this is the same Bell. This Beelzebul uh, is uh, well. I think that name Baal, he got that from Belial, uh, his higher prince. Um, I mean. I don't know. That's just that's just what I think. I mean, I don't. That's just a feeling that I've got for a very long time because there's a lot of entities in the scriptures that name the bear the name Baal, but um, I, they they seem very demonic in nature. But this Belial um, seems to be angelic, uh, to my conclusions, um, and. Uh, we we get a sort of father figure with this um, Belial because uh, his followers are called his sons, and um, this entity. Um, uh, let's think about Satan. What has Satan been doing the whole time? He has been. Uh, he has always been trying to use other. Uh, people to other individuals to do the sin which he wants, um, kind of like Caiaphas um, selling out Judas. It, um, uh, he had uh, Satan had the serpent deceive Eve, um, and uh, he will make Azazel, the beast from the abyss, um, commit the evil deeds that he wants by giving him his authority. So. Um, Satan has been long known for that, but he likes to keep his robe clean. He likes he likes to say stay a priest like Caiaphas, but he so he's going to um, sell uh, certain Judases out to do what evil he wants, but he won't do it himself. And um, and then let's compare that to Belial. Belial is directly in the darkness. He he has always been the lawless one, um, and and Satan's always trying to keep one foot in heaven. But this Belial is absolutely darkness. He is uh, corruption in its purest. He is... Uh, I don't know how else to put it. I i, I don't know if, if you guys think that was a good conclusion, but... So just what I mentioned about that father figure that Belial gives. Well, that, that would correlate with Christians being, you know, um, sons of God children of the promise that would line up with that conclusion but let's get brian's thoughts because eventually we're going to have to get this out into the light if this being the case don't tell me that god would not have left a clue behind as to what he did to rebel against satan but brian your thoughts well i'm looking at something very interesting here i noticed one really strong element that stands out 
and it's got part of the same root of the word for Belial in Job 41 in the Greek. But if you take a look at uh, 2 Samuel 22, verse 5, uh, for the waves of death compassed me, the floods of Belial assailed me. And then, like I said, you'll have that, um, let's see here real quick. Uh, so I just broke that down to just the um, first four letters in the Greek, and it comes up in Job 41, verse 30. Let me double check the, um, yeah, because it's a different um, one in the Greek. Uh, his lair is formed of sharp points and all gold of the sea under him is an immense quantity of clay. And when you go back to, like I referred to earlier, this, uh, one second, in Second Samuel 22, verse 5, once again, you get the floods of Belial assailed me. You get this idea concerning, you're having two times Obviously, in Job 41, what you're dealing with there, and then here in Second Samuel, you're getting the same idea here. Um, and, of course, this is wanting to freeze. Just a minute. Because, let's see here. Uh, in Job 41, we're dealing with Leviathan. And, once again, going back over to Second Samuel, you're dealing again with something that the abyss is the main thing that keeps coming to my mind. When when we start thinking about this in a different way, it gets a little bit, uh, there's a little bit more to it. Um, if you look, for instance, here in the um, Septuagint, uh, let's see, from verse 30, if I drop down to verse 30, let's see, uh, 33. It states here the English translation from the Greek, there's nothing upon the earth like to him formed to be sported with by my angels. He beholds every high thing and he is king of all that are in the waters. Well, I want to add to that because going in the Greek, um, you take off the last letter. And you run into this in Judges chapter 20, verse 13. You'll take note that um, what we call the L has been exchanged for an R in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. And the reason why that is, is very interesting. The, the tenses in the case around it is masculine. It goes to a conjunction and then it's a future active. And this gives a play. This is a hint and a clue. This is, well, it mimics the Hebrew with the two L's. And expanding that chapter, when we look at it, you run into a very terrible rebellion. Now, is God doing something prophetically here? I don't know. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have to remember that Judges chapter 20 is, well, when the tribes of Israel sent men through the entire tribe of Benjamin saying, 
What is this wickedness that has taken place among you? Now then, deliver up the men, the worthless fellows of Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the wickedness from Israel. But the sons of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brothers, the sons of Israel. And we know what happened because of this. Civil war broke out, and ladies and gentlemen, uh, it was extremely bad because other things had to be done to make sure that the tribe of Benjamin didn't go extinct. That's what the entire diatribe in Judges chapter 21 is. Now, personally, now I have two reasons as to why the Greek does what it does with this switching off of the last L in our language to an R. I'll have to conclude that's the second reason why Delich did this in the Hebrew. He must have had a hint and a clue that this is a mimic of something that happened in heaven with this entity in Satan. Now, Brian and I have spoken about these events, Judges chapter 20 and 21. Uh, we've talked about this many times, but Never did we – well, let me make that personal. Never did I see what the Greek had to offer in Judges chapter 20, verse 13. All you have to do is switch that L out with an R, and you've got the proper name from Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Now, this would be the perfect prophetic example to give us. You have the tribe of Benjamin. They rebel. They get wiped out. Um, so all the women in Benjamin had no husbands. So the other 11 tribes had to step in and make sure their seed endured. This is prophetically off the charts. I don't know how... To describe it any other way. This is brand new insight to me. So I'm not even sure how Brian's going to take this information. But if you wanted to leave us a perfect example of what happened in heaven between Satan and one of his princes, this would be the way to do it. You would put it right here in Judges chapter 20 or 21. Well, I have two things to say that... Um could be very important. First of all, okay, um, as we see the contrasting um, thing with uh, um, with him and with Christ and Belial, um, like you said, what if this concept of something that happened with God and and Israel, um, what if it was switched around? What if this was the opposite of what happened? Between Satan, what will happen, or what happened with Satan and Belial. Like some sort of uh, opposite. And it would have to be an absolute opposite, as Second Corinthians keeps giving us. And second of all, I want to add, what, why were Ben, why did they want, uh, why did Benjamin always, almost get wiped out? Because um, you read in those chapters, those last chapters of Judges, and it tells you. 
that these people were doing the same things as Sodom and Gomorrah were doing. All right. Stop the bus. Are you inferring? Surely you're not inferring this. Because if you're inferring this, uh, it's the first time anybody ever even thought about inferring this. Surely you're not saying that this entity at some point come in and perform the dastardly deed from the flood and Sodom and Gomorrah because Satan would have obviously give orders not to do this to the Israelites themselves. Are you saying that this entity did so with Israelites? Yes or no? Not necessarily. I'm saying that this is an example. It reflects what what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. These the people in the town of Benjamin came to well, the people in Benjamin came to molest this uh, this man of God, this prophet that came to live in that town. Just like they did with Sodom and Gomorrah when those angels came. And I'm not necessarily saying that's what's going on, that was what was going on there that these this angel was um, trying to commit this deed with the Israelites too. What I'm saying is this could correlate what was going on. Well, Aaron, I don't like talking about private things we've been discussing publicly. Would this be why Christ said that the people of Nineveh would stand up? And bear judgment against this generation? What do you mean? If this entity had rebelled against Satan and did a third incursion that we discussed privately today, I don't want you to elaborate on that. We need to get Brian's thoughts on what you just said, what I just said. Brian, why would it be... Why would it be encoded here in Judges chapters 20 and 21? How would that give us insight into what rebellion this entity committed against Satan? Your thoughts? Boy. I I don't know. You guys are going to have to go back and forth and back and forth here a little bit. I'm not certain on what to state on this. Is this possible? It could be. You know, but at the same time, I want to bring something up as well, because you mentioned there as far as Nineveh, you know, we have to remember what's previous to this. Okay, what parallels do we have going on today that are playing out in real time? The first part of that is what? They came seeking after a sign, and they were told this in response, a wicked an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and yet only one sign shall be given to them. Now think of the context as we go through this, because even as I brought up Second uh, Samuel, you've got a cross-reference concerning Jonah in the midst of that as well. You keep getting brought back to the same idea now going threefold. Something to do with the waters, with the abyss, all the way across the board here. But you get 
referred to the sign of Jonah in the midst of what we have right now. Well, I mean, I wish I could walk out my door and point at a place that is not acting out that very scenario, being a wicked and adulterous generation that's seeking after signs. And in the midst of that seeking after signs, oh, they're getting signs all right, but they don't have the wherewithal to um, test those spirits. And you have lying and deceiving spirits in the midst of this. So so, so wait a minute. <laughs> Stop the bus. Stop the bus. Are you insinuating that God has encoded to us the scripture? That the one performing these signs and wonders is a prince named properly in Second Corinthians chapter six verse fifteen, and he's performing these signs and wonders for these Christians in abject rebellion against Satan. Because you just blew my mind away. Your thoughts. Uh, you. Here's the thing. It's just like the atypical, you know, I've I've seen it for years on end. People run around blaming Satan for everything, but Satan can't be everywhere at once. So is he, I don't know, is he giving commands and orders to those under him to do those things? That very well could be, but these things that are doing these signs and wonders around here, they're most certainly unclean spirits. They are demonic in nature. So is he... The one giving the commands, that's a possibility. Well, I would have to agree with you. Wouldn't it be suicide? Well, I'm going to tell you this right now, and I'm not even going to I'm not even going to accept any argument from you, Brian. Let's go back in time. Let's go back to my church. Satan would have been committing suicide to walk in that church and start performing false signs and wonders. He ain't that stupid. This makes me take pause. You very well could be right. This wicked generation that goes after lying signs and wonders, that very well could be an angel that is directing these wicked spirits to do so. That is absolutely off the charts. I didn't expect my own mind to be blown because that ties back into why this would be encoded in Judges chapters 21 and 20 or yeah 20 and 21 the try oh my goodness lord have mercy ladies and gentlemen you know there are seven different types of brides you know that beyond any question we got seven letters to seven churches. We were outright told there were seven angels over those seven, that those seven churches. Point blank. It's a non-arguable point. The perfect way to give us the, sh the, the shadow and silhouette of that would be to encode it in one of the tribes of Israel rebelling, going rogue, and tying this event. Oh my goodness. To the act of marriage. That's what Judges 21 is about. The other, here, let me rephrase it so you understand what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen. The other churches, what they did 
was supplied men in Judges chapter 21 to the churches that had went wicked and started chasing after lying signs and wonders. And I'm, and I'm here to say with authority, Satan would have never come up in my church. <laughs> that would have been an act of outright suicide. And then Brian just randomly brings something up that didn't even cross my mind. That's exactly what God said. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after lying signs and wonders, as he put it. Well, um, <clears throat> I want to bring out um, this uh, this piece of uh, fr these fragments that are present in the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. They are known as uh, fragments of a Zadokite uh, document or uh, or the Damascus document, but um, some have also known it as simply Zadok. And um, in chapter 6, verse 9, it says, uh, <clears throat> 9 to 12, it says, And during all these years, Belial shall be let loose against Israel, as God spake through Isaiah the prophet the son of Amos, saying, Fear and the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitant of the land. This means the three nets of Belial, concerning which Levi, the son of Jacob, spake, by which he caught Israel and directed their faces to three kinds of, uh, of righteousness. The first is fornication. The second is wealth. The third is pollution of the sanctuary. Oh my goodness. It, son, you don't realize that this is exactly what we have going on because tied up part and parcel with this is rampant molestation with these preachers that come into these churches. You have, of course, what is already known as signs and wonders. But the third part of that, I hate to rain on everybody's party. Everybody knows it. It's on the tip of your tongues. The prosperity gospel. Name it and claim it. I don't even know what to say. Uh, sorry I interrupted you there, Aaron. Go ahead. Um, so uh, this third one, the pollution of the sanctuary. Um, what's the pollution of the sanctuary? I'm pretty sure that's uh, the abomination of desolation. And uh, we remember when we go to Daniel chapter 11, the king of the north, which would be this uh, rebel, this prince in rebellion, this king of the north, that's the one the Assyrian's going to come from. And when you, and and if the Assyrian comes from him and it's, he's rebelling against Satan, now let's let's, let's let's stop there for a moment. What is Satan constantly doing? Is mentioned in the New Testament. He has he sat. Um, right next to the virgin, um, waiting for her to give birth, so he could devour the child. And now he um, he continually tempts uh, tempts the churches and tries to destroy them. But Belial, let's say, he's the one who's actually been directly engaging into the corruption of the final incursion, trying to bring forth the Assyrian. Well, that's where we part ways. Um, I'm not going to elaborate on that at all. I'm just going to state what I already did. 
the verses you just read uh, from the, the Damascus fragment of Zadok clearly stated, and I, as I clearly pointed out, it's alluding to the simple fact that an angel is promoting and doing this lying signs and wonder and has also orchestrated people coming to the belief of this health and prosperity doctrine. Now, let's not argue with one another because you're not going to argue with me. Angels most certainly have the power and the authority to grant wealth unto whomever they want to. No question. Angels have the power to obviously perform any number of signs and wonders that they want. And if you think they don't have the ability to drive people into a fit of frenzy overwhelmed with lust... I I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, it, it, they obviously do as that's recorded in Scripture. As far as this being tied with the king of the north or the Assyrian, I, I'm sorry. My mind's been blown away with the implications of just that. So I'm not going to even speak of the Assyrian. I mean, I need I need more time to study this myself. And because I fear God, I'm going to say that. But I have to let Brian come on here and, and state his thoughts on this. But that's all I'm going to say, Aaron. I'm not going to even go to the King of the North or the Assyrian or any type of genetic manipulation. Because like I said, the three things that were described as this angel's net to destroy not um, non-Christians, he's targeting Christians. That blows my head off. That I'm, I'm just, I, I don't even know what to say. So, Brian, jump in here, please, right now. Um, I just, I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to think. Well, some of these aspects that you brought up concerning the, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls and the pseudographic uh, pseudographical text as well you're getting the same thing in second corinthians 6 if you go down um further in that verse uh you know what and what agreement has the temple of god with idols for you are the temple of the living god as god has said i will dwell in them and i will walk in them and i will be their god and they shall be my people wherefore come up from among them and you be separate saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So you have that same idea being brought up as far as things defiling the temple with idols. You have the same idea, as a matter of fact, I'm seeing things all over this specific chapter that you are getting these very same references. Now, something I've got just going through nonstop to the back of my mind here, Aaron, have you anywhere been able to find any kind of image 
of what this thing is that somebody has created? Have you found references to this in text outside of the, um, as far as Hebrew or biblical, have you found any references to this thing elsewhere in the world? Is this um, something that's Babylonian in nature, ancient Mesopotamian? Have you seen any other references to this? Uh, to which? Uh, to the, so Belial. Um, uh, well, uh, to Belial, as, as um, to what you just said, to that concept of, well, um, there, there are a lot of uh, gods and goddesses that have um, bared that name, and uh, that name Bell is all over the place. Don't, don't, don't get yourself confused with Babylonian and all that, because the name Bell is in a lot. I don't know. I don't know if that word "a lot" is is the right word for you. If not all. Uh, pagan religions have a name that has Bell somewhere Well, in that name. Uh, Brian is well familiar with that. That's not what he asked you, and you need to answer the question. He wants to know if you found any extra-biblical, extra-rabbinical text with this particular name in it, this Bilal. Um... So we're not ta so we're talking about pseudepigrapha and apocrypha. No, 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 no. I don't want any of those. I mean, you already answered what I was looking for. I forgot all about Bell. I'm a knucklehead. I didn't even think about that because that's actually the answer I was looking for. So you already answered that. So I call for final comments. Brian, you first. What what is your closing comments, please? Well, that is kind of the thing that uh, we had just touched on there a moment ago. I mean, that's why I was asking for an original reference to this, because to get an idea sometimes, like as we did the last program, you know, getting to the bottom of what is this uh, Lilith outside, where did this idea come from? Where did they, where was the original name used of this specific entity in another part of the world that can give us an idea as to what in the world we might be looking at as far as what we're dealing with here. And, you know, if we have this mentioned elsewhere in the world, then it helps me to narrow in on what we're looking at as a whole. Now, when we, we definitely have drawn out some interesting parallels in here, and I agree with you on this, Matthew, we by no stretch of the imagination have come even close to completely understanding what is happening here. Now, obviously, I have some other ideas that I have not mentioned yet, but we will save those for the next part. So I guess essentially that's where I'm going to leave this for now. All right, Aaron, your closing comments, please. Well, I mean, uh, right before I came to this broadcast, I'm like, this is where my nose has been, but uh, no conclusions yet. Just, I mean... I don't know. Uh, there there seems to be something telling me the answer, but I'm just trying to figure it out, you know? So, um, like, you, uh, we're we're very far from answering the question, and, uh, but we've, uh, we've conversed about it. We, we work, we're trying to work it out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, 
I need to explain references that I made to uh, earlier about a private conversation between me and Aaron. He obviously didn't have time to collect his thoughts, but I sent references to him about a topic that would answer this very question to a third incursion. And that would be why Christ himself left clues for this very thing happening. I have found two anagrams for this spelling that Delich gave. That being said, I'm not prepared. I didn't know to look for all the anagrams for this before the program. But this I do know. I fear God. I'm going to reiterate this very clear. We have made no conclusions here. Ladies and gentlemen, pushing the envelope, signing off.